Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is another lesson in our Passover Passion Series, Volume 2, and we are drawing near to a close of this week in Holy Week and of these particular messages in Volume 2. Today I want to look at Lesson 10, which I'm titling Punctuality. Jesus did nothing without intent and perfection. He never got ahead of the Father, nor did he ever lag. He was always on perfect time, or in other words, he was always punctual. I want us to look at a few scriptures here as we delve into this particular lesson. Now I'm going to start with Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'd like to read verses 1 through 11 as we begin. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end." Ecclesiastes here, the author is Solomon, and Solomon is writing for us and telling us that everything in life, any kind of activity or matter concerning us in life, has a specific time or season. That word season is talking about a specific or appointed season, a fixed time or occasion, a set time. In other words, it may be similar to, let's say we decide we're going to have a meeting, a business meeting or a meeting with a friend, and you set it up that you're going to meet at this particular place on Tuesday at one o'clock in the afternoon. You've got a set time. You've got a set appointed fixed time for that particular occasion. Could also be looked at even as setting a timer, if you wanted to bake a cake or cook something or do something at a specific time, and you set the timer for that time, and when it dings, it's that time. Nature also even has this built into it because we have seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Spring is typically the time for planting, and in planting, you're looking forward to a summer or a fall harvest, and there is a specific harvest cycle associated with various things that you may plant. 
It's interesting because Solomon tells us here that everything has a season, an appointed fixed time, and a time, meaning this is actually the Hebrew word that adds an adverb to it. In other words, now or when. So it's talking about a specific time that when it comes up, when that dinger dings, so to speak, on the timer, then it's now. That's the when that it will come to pass. And he says there's a purpose for everything under heaven. There's a specific set appointed time and there is a when or there is a now moment for everything to then burst on the stage and actually happen. And that is for every purpose, every matter, every valuable thing has its time. Now, in life, there are several specifics and Solomon lists them for us here. And each one is set and will occur when it's the right time for that matter or that valuable thing to happen. It's interesting because the very first one he lists is there is a time to be born and a time to die. This is true for everyone, including Jesus himself. Paul makes this very clear for us in Galatians. I'd like to read Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, in other words, when the dinger on the timer went off, in other words, when it was the set fixed appointed time and the now or the when came on the scene. That's what he's saying here. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So Jesus knew that he had a specific time to be born. God had established that prior to the world. And at the perfect time, when the when time appeared, when the timer went off, so to speak, and dinged, then that was the now time. And Jesus was to be born. In verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 3, we saw how God is the one that makes everything, every matter, every desire, beautiful or pleasant in its time. In other words, in that specific moment, that specific season, that specific fixed time when it's perfect, the time that's set for it to occur. Or in other words, we call it God's perfect timing. I looked up the word for punctuality. I knew what it meant, but I wanted to be able to describe it as a dictionary would. And so I was looking up that word and it said the fact or quality of being on time. Also using the words for prompt, acting or arriving at an appointed or set time being precise and exact. The opposite of this word would be tardiness. It's very interesting when you look at Peter's writings in 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to read verses 8 and 9. And he says this, 
But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. That word translated slack or slackness in the Greek means tardy or tardiness. The Lord is not tardy. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In this context, he's talking about the time when Jesus will return. And he talks earlier in this chapter about those who are mockers, and they will say, Oh, we've heard this all of our life, and Jesus isn't coming back. Where is he? It's been forever, and he's still not here. We are still waiting, yes, but God is right on time. And Peter is writing that here. He's telling us the Lord is not tardy. He's still working a different work right now. He's still involved in a different job, and that is to save souls of all those who will call upon him and be saved. The set time and hour for that to be finished and for Jesus to return has not yet arrived. And we don't know exactly when that day is, so we keep waiting, which is exactly what Jesus has told us to do. I do want to read Matthew chapter 24, and in there you'll see many times where he talks about, don't be deceived, I am coming back. He tells us some of the things that will be happening around the time of his return that we can be watching for. He tells us to watch and pray and be ready at any moment. And he says this in verse 36 of Matthew 24, but of that day and hour. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. There is a set day and there is a set hour. Jesus even confirms that here. But we don't know what it is. The angels don't know what it is. But it will come when it has arrived. When that timer, so to speak, has dinged, Jesus is going to return. He is not tardy. These even show us that God is a God of punctuality. He is always precise. He is always right on time. He is the one who even operates in this in his timing of everything, every matter. This is a spiritual principle God established. It's always established in the Word, and God will operate with these principles even Himself. When He establishes principles in the Word, you can find out they are spiritual laws, so to speak, and God will even operate within those Himself. For instance, there's a spiritual law established in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 19. It's also mentioned in chapter 18, and it establishes that only on the mouth of two or three witnesses can anyone be killed for their crimes or for their sins and, and transgressions. So there's a two-witness principle. If you'll notice in the scripture, 
Keep in mind this. Two witnesses were required to verify legally and attest to anything that was to be legal and that was to be sound, including capital punishment. We have two that were sent to Sodom, and the Lord himself told Abram in Genesis 18 why that had to be, because the cry from Sodom and Gomorrah had come up to the Lord's ears, and he sent the two to verify that so that the capital punishment could be executed. There will be two witnesses in Revelation in the future that will attest to the Lord, to the message of the gospel. There were two at the tomb to attest to Jesus' resurrection. There were two at the ascension to attest to the Lord's ascension into heaven in Acts chapter 1. So there are two witnesses. That's a principle God established. This is very similar. His timing is always perfect, and it is always punctual. He is always an on-time God. Jesus operated within this same principle. We see several examples. For instance, his birth, the birth of Jesus, just like Galatians 4, 4 told us, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. So then in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, the prophets had foretold of this virgin that would bear the Son of God. And when the fullness of the time had come, God sent his Son, like Galatians says, and it was going to be through the Virgin Mary. In Luke chapter 1, we read about that. The prophets had foretold this even all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter three fifteen, and Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And so, in essence, Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Tag, Mary, you're it. The dinger is dinged, and it's time. It's time for Messiah, and you are the chosen one to bring forth the Messiah of the world into the world. So, God operates by that perfect timing, and we see that at the birth of Jesus. We also see it in many ways throughout his life. In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, we see that he comes to John to be baptized of John and to begin his public ministry at the age of 30 years old, which was the perfect and appointed age for priests to begin to minister according to Numbers chapter 4. I encourage you to look at the last episode where we discussed him as our priest, and there was a specific age set when the priest could begin to serve, and it was 30 years old. And Jesus knew that and operated within that principle. Luke chapter 4, verse 30. He had gone to Nazareth, had spoken in the synagogues, had opened up the scroll of Isaiah, read from Isaiah 61, told them what he read was fulfilled in their eyes, right there in their hearing, in, and he was the Messiah. And they get mad at him, and want to throw him off a cliff, he escaped because it was not his time. In John chapter 2, verse 4, we see there is a wedding at Cana, and it's not yet time for him to become public in that area and for him to become known there. So he makes that clear to his mother that his time had not yet come. We see that in John chapter 7, verse 30, and in John chapter 8, verse 20, 
where he says that his hour had not yet come, and it was said of him that they knew his hour had not yet come. But shortly thereafter, beginning in John chapter 12, we read a different story. In John chapter 12, verse 23, we read these words, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In John chapter 13, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In John chapter 16, verse 21, he speaks about a pregnant woman who's having a baby, and he, he uses that as an illustration about his time has come and about how he will go through it and endure it because of the joy that will come at the end. He says this in verse 21, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. In other words, the time for the delivery of the baby. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Then in verse 32 of that same chapter, he says this, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And then we go to John chapter 17, verse 1. And he says this, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. So at this point, Jesus knew exactly that his time had come. And then and only then did he allow them to take him when he was in Gethsemane, arrest him, take him to his mock trials, beat him, scourge him, mistreat him, and crucify him. Notice also there's a correlation here as well because he was the Passover lamb and he knew it. John the Baptist had even identified him in John chapter 1 verse 29. I want us to look at Mark 14. Now I want to read verses 1 through 12. After two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And then we go on and we see the anointing at Bethany happens. And Jesus is anointed by Mary. Jump down to verse 12 now. And it says this. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover. Jesus knew he was the Passover lamb, and he knew that the set time required in the Torah, which was on the 14th of Nisan, to kill the Passover lamb. He knew that that day had come, and today was his day. It was perfectly timed, and Jesus would be killed then, 
because he was the Passover lamb and he had to be killed then. Even the leaders could not interfere with God's perfect timing. In earlier episodes, we saw them trying to preempt God's time. Here, they're trying to delay it and push it back. But Jesus knew he was the Passover lamb and had to be killed on that day. And he was. God's perfect timing doesn't stop there. He was buried. The Passover lamb could not remain until morning. It could not last until the morning. He was buried that same day, that evening, when the evening came. The resurrection of Jesus was perfectly timed. On the third day of Passover, on the third feast day, the Feast of First Fruits, the exact day of the First Fruits offering. You can learn more about that in my Feasts of the Lord study and in earlier lessons in earlier Passover Passion in the Holy Week series. Even his ascension and Pentecost occurred perfectly timed. In Acts chapter 2, we're told that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, in other words, on the exact day when it was the Feast of Shavuot, Pentecost, as seen earlier, God is perfect in his timing in everything. And his return, the return of the Lord Jesus, will be the same. It will be on its perfect and appointed day. I want to bring out one final note as we begin to draw to a close, and that is the timing of the cross itself. When Jesus was arrested and they took him to Pilate, Pilate sent him to Herod, he comes back to Pilate, and he's going to be killed. They crucified him and nailed his hands and his feet and raised him up on the cross at 9 a.m. That was when the first service in the temple would begin daily and the first sacrifices would be offered. And they had the daily services, the morning and the evening service, and those would be over around three o'clock. That was when the last service in the temple ended and the last sacrifices were offered a six-hour span of time in the daily temple services. Six is typically understood scripturally to represent the number of man or the number for man. And six hours, Jesus hung on the cross before he finally took his last breath and entrusted his vindication to the Father. Jesus was the fulfillment of all daily sacrifices and all of the feast sacrifices, including the Passover lamb. But God was even so perfect in his timing that everything coordinated to a T with the entirety of the daily temple service. At three o'clock, when the high priest in the temple would declare it is finished, meaning the Passover sacrifices had been made and the lamb for the nation had been slain, Jesus cries on the cross, it is finished. God's Passover lamb for the entire world has now died. He was slain, completing the decision and determination of the divine council, the Godhead that had been made 
before the world was even formed. I want us, as we draw to a close, to look at a few final scriptures here. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says this, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Let's look next at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works that God was going to do to bring about this redemption, this salvation for mankind were already decided before the world was ever even formed. Peter makes it very clear as well in 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice this. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Peter declares also, as well as John in Revelation and the author of Hebrews, that God's Passover lamb, God's chosen sacrifice would be slain and was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, it was already predetermined and decided. It was as good as done when the decision was made before the world was ever formed. God's timing is always perfect and well-planned. He controls the timer, so to speak, and knows the perfect time to make all things beautiful in. I want you to notice one final thing in Ephesians. When the divine council determined the sacrificed lamb for the world, you were on the mind of the Godhead. In that moment, before the world was ever even founded, God already had you on his mind when he made the decision for his son to be sacrificed as the lamb for the world. Notice this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, just as he chose us in him, meaning in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We were on the mind of God the Father, of God the Son, of God the Holy Spirit, when they determined before the world was ever even founded, that Jesus was to die as the Passover lamb on the 14th of Nisan in that year. And his blood would be enough to cover you, to wash your sins away, to save you. Oh, how much you are loved, beloved friend. How much I am loved. And it's proven in John chapter 3, verse 16, because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't just determine this and never follow through. He actually gave his own son.
for you and for me. I pray that you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you don't, what better time than on Passover? What better time than on this weekend where we remember Passion Week, where we remember the passion that Jesus had to endure and to go through all of this suffering in order to save you and to save me. Come to Jesus today if you don't know him. Repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you and call upon him for salvation. If you will do that and mean it in your heart, he will save you right now. He will become your Lord and you will know the love of Jesus like you've never known before. He will make all things beautiful in his time. All through God's word, we see his perfect timing at hand and working. Even in the book of Esther, when he did that with a pagan king, God was still in control. So rest assured, God will always execute perfect timing with his own son and with us in our eternal redemption. He is definitely punctual, never late, never even tardy. He is right on time, every time. Praise be to God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for the final episodes that are coming up of Passover Passion, Volume 2. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.